Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm the happy shift, Leo Pagali. <laughs> this week I'm once again joined by our excellent guest host, Steve Mutum, to discuss Season 4, Episode 22, Are You Being Served?, in which Nars and Maris's fraught marriage reaches a climax. Steve, when was the last time you shaved... Because the hot and foamy obviously takes pride and pride and place in this episode. You've got a good solid beard. People that know you know you for your beard. When was Are the you last really, time you had shaving you, foam on your face? You must be really glad I didn't ask you that question because it would have been a few hours ago, I'd imagine. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Um, if you want to know the last time I was clean shaven, probably over ten years ago. Wow. Yeah. So would it feel insane if you woke up in the morning and you were completely clean shaven? Would you just feel like a different you didn't know whose face you'd be touching? Yeah, it'd be it'd be very strange. I mean occasionally I do literally take it back to not much, but even then I look in the mirror and it freaks me out. It's really mm. weird. It's like it's like putting hair back on my head, you know what I mean? It's it's just yeah, abnormal. Yeah. I haven't had hair for a long time. I've shaved it for probably 15 years, maybe longer. So I've had an upside down head for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever do the kind of classic, do you stroke the beard while you pontificate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's yeah. a lot of that going on. Yeah, so I, I do this anyway. I mean, I don't have any facial hair, but I, I, the natural predisposition is to just kind of, you know, have a bit of a stroke it's, around the, the area. It must be a trait of males probably going back centuries. I think it must be some evolutionary things. Touch it, and you go against the grain towards the grain. You think, oh yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a thinking thing, isn't it? Oh look at that, I've got that on my face. I'll just play with that for it's a second. It's so tactile, isn't it? You know, just I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's it's a funny one. Um, shall we took ourselves in at trivia corner this week before we get into the review? We can, but I'm actually almost disappointed in myself that I didn't actually ask you if you were growing a moustache, whether it's in the research and development stage. <laughs> I, I am mean... in about four <laughs> stages prior to research and development. I would love oh. the option to be able to grow a moustache, but uh, genetics has not has not been kind to me in, in that regard. Um, but Trivia Corner this week, we have been sent in the usual questions from our Trivia Masters and co. So let me open with you, Steve, from Cam Winston this week. I will, I will start by saying, Will, actually, that after last week, I'm quite tired of Trivia Corner, but I'm rested now. You're rested? Let's <laughs> okay. just, just chuck in a quote <laughs> from this one about Trivia Corner. <laughs> this, uh, this episode sees the return of everyone's favourite Nervosa waitress, played by, is it, is it Look Harry, Look Harry? Look Harry, yeah. Look Harry. What other popular 90s sitcom does she feature in? Do you know what? I know she's in ER. She in ER? I yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. know that. She... Weirdly, Steve... <laughs> if if you were to make this sitcom an acronym, you know, if you were to abbreviate it, just its just its initials, E and R would be two of those initials. So they are the two first letters of two of the words in this show. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a that's a cryptic roundabout way of saying you weren't a million miles away. Nothing e like ER. It's a sitcom. Is it one that I watch? You know, I don't think you watch it, but you definitely know it. Definitely know it. Mm -hmm. Mm. No, I'm, I'm not. Do you know what? I know she's played a waitress in a good couple of other sitcoms as well, and I have looked her up on several occasions. In fact, I've even got a trivia question about her for you, which is totally different from this one. No way. Um, but it's going to stump you probably about as much as this has stumped me. I'm, I'm tapping out already, mate. This is it an is awful. Stuff. Everybody loves Raymond. 
I do watch it. I nearly said that. I nearly oh, said it. I, damn it. No. I didn't know you watched uh, Everybody Loves yeah. Raven, but there, there Yeah, not a massive, massive fan, but it is still it is a good sitcom to have a laugh there's, at. There's just something about any American sitcom, really. There's just a, a deep comfort there. Um, what are the names of Maris's two Dobermans? Gestart and Gerhelt. Ger Ger I can't even say it. Gerhardt. Gerhardt and Gestalt. Absolutely. Um, I've actually got, to go on to that, there is the trivia behind that. Do you know why they're called that? Uh, aren't they kind of two psychologists or something? It's a reference to Gerhard Sternberger's Diagnostics in Gestalt Theoretical Psychotherapy. There you oh, go. My word. There we go. Not why I knew what they were called, but that's... <laughs> That's why they're called that, which is weird that Maris would have those named that because she's not a psychiatrist. Yeah, but then so the breed not, is not. very Maris-esque, like yes. massive, <laughs> massive dogs associated with all kinds of things. Um, question three, Nars mentions that he's rested now. Oh, what made him tired in the first place? Uh, Maris, I believe. Groveling to Maris, absolutely. Um, he's rested now. Well played, Steve. <laughs> Trivia from Run For Your Life this week. How many times are hot and foamy said in this episode? So that phrase, how many times does it get said? Well, it's going to have to be a ran random guess. I'm going to go with, I mean, Niall says, I'm just a little hot and foamy. That will, that will count as one. Followed by Martin saying, <clears throat> that must have been my hot and foamy must have exploded. Mm-hmm. And when he gets it out of the box, Martin, that's my hot and foamy. Mm -hmm. Three. That's... Absolutely spot on. <laughs> and all of those instances that you name, um, very, very good. Yeah. Cracking question there from, uh, from I think, I believe Run For Your Life is Rachel. I always get confused with who the nicknames are. Um, trivia from BB Glazer. According to Hester's diary, on what date does Frasier the rat die? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Oh, no, do you know what? I know what it is. It's April 16th. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> April 14th. I even oh. posted this in Fraser Fan Club on that day because I always put it as the header. Every year I put that as the, the club header. Oh, as my they, God. They for weeks, Fraser died. <laughs> um, um, fantastic question, though. Um, brilliant from, uh, from, from all of you guys, as always. And we've got MKs and a few others to, uh, to get to. But level yours at me, Steve. Let's well, see what you've got. I'll start with the Luck Hari one, as okay. Cammy did for me. Luck Hari returns as the waitress at Nivosa. Mm. Her most notable appearance is in the episode My Coffee with Niles. Yes, it is. How many, how many episodes does the actress portray waitress in the series? Ooh, see, I, I have a feeling it's similar to the number of episodes Gil is in. It total. is one less than the what? episodes that Gil is in. Oh, wow. I think it's just into double digits, and I'm going to say 11. Spot on. Oh, yes. You know what the better part is? The bonus question to this is, can you name the 11 episodes? Oh, my God. Absolutely not a chance. Um, well, you can have than... two of them. She's in this one, and she's in My Coffee with Nars in the This question. one and My Coffee with Nars. Um Oh no, no, I couldn't I couldn't it could literally be feasibly be any of them. Um then I can list them if you want, but if you want yeah, to Yeah, why don't you listeners might want to hear these. Right, she's in season one, episode twenty-two, author author. Mm -hmm. Uh episode twenty-four, my coffee with Niles. Season two, episode seven, the candidate. Season three, episode nine, Fraser Grinch. 
Season 3, Episode 11, The Friend. Season 3, Episode 13, Moondance. Season 3, Episode 18, Chess Pains. Season 3, Episode 20, Police Story. Season 4, Episode 10, Liar Liar. Season 4, Episode 22, Are You Being Served? And then her final one is in the next episode, Season 4, Episode 23, Ask Me No Questions. Mm. You would have struggled. I would have struggled to be there. That was a horrible question I threw at you. Oh, man, that is hard. I wouldn't wouldn't have got half of those because it, it... There's no kind of link between, you know, why are they in Nervosa? Because they're just yeah. there on a whim. I mean, you know? this this episode, for example, she's literally in for like two seconds. You see yeah. her in the background. She doesn't really have any lines, uh, which is a shame because in My Coffee with Niall, she has absolutely the standout performance, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But, well done with 11. It's a pretty good Thank answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, question two. What is the second item Daphne takes from the box when she's... Sh- Martin's sort of asking what's in there. Ooh, okay. So I know I know he gets they get the Steam Master 2000 out. Um I have a feeling there's something between that and the hot and foamy. Um Oh, no, I'm going to say it's the Steam Master 2000 because I think the first thing yeah. is the remote. The remote control to God knows what no one yes. knows. So the item is the Steam Master 2000. What's oh. the slogan for the Steam Master 2000? So, live life wrinkle free. Yep. And the third part of the question is, what's the feature that it has? Uh, has an attachment that can cook Chinese vegetables. Yes. Yeah. Recently, honestly, I'm normally recording this a week after watching. And I don't get anything right. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I hate to say it. The only other question I've got is because Hammy did take one of mine, which was the name of the dogs. That's fine. They mentioned having dinner at a restaurant. I'll chuck this one out here. What is the restaurant's name? Shay Shay. It is Shay Shay. Yes! My <laughs> Shay away from Shay. Um, uh, unbelievable questions there, Steve. And I am just buzzing to actually have got some right for once. Which, uh, for three out of three, really. Not bad. Not bad. Um, let's, uh, let's bring it back to you now. The spotlight has returned to Mr. Mutum. So, MKs, question one. Can Steve remember all the food-slash-cooking-based puns made in the radio station regarding the Happy Chef's impact on their lives and impending departure? These are obviously all from uh, from Frasier, but there's one from Ross. They're about Leo Pascali. Yeah. The Happy Chef. The Happy me. Chef. So, ta-ta for now. Ta-ta for now, yeah. yeah. Mm. Whisk yourself away. Yes. I want to say stirred us. Stirred us is the first one, yeah. Spiced up our life or something. Added, added spice too, yeah. And this, this is going to ruin it for listeners because I was going to use this as my closing thing. Roz's is, I'll be fricasseeing you. I'll be fricasseeing <laughs> you. There's one more which was oh. melted us. Melted us, yeah. melted us, dot, dot, dot. It must be like me, you know, melted us with your warmth or something. Um, I can't quite remember. But, I mean, fantastic. And please do still use that as an episode closer because it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of there for the taking. Um, what day of the week does the main action of the episode occur on? And we do find this out through a bit of kind of comic aside dialogue that actually proves pretty important to the plot. Is it Spa Day? What day is it? Is it Friday because she goes to the spa and they all play hooky? 
I mean, you're you're thinking in the right lines, but no, it's 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 Tuesday because it's oh. Swedish Meatball Day. Um, oh, and Niall's God. comments on that. Um, I've got a few comments about that actually, which we'll get. But to. It also must be Spa Day because that's where she is. So Tuesday, yeah, is Tuesday Spa is Spa Day and Swedish Meatball Day. That sounds like one hell of a day to me. Um, question three from MK: What was the occasion that prompted the commissioning of the painting that Niall's is now painted out of? Yeah, he's now a tree with his face on a skunk. He is. In the, the is skunk it an anniversary? In the yes, it is an anniversary, Steve. It's got to be the wedding anniversary. I can't. How far along the marriage do you think this painting came? Well, they're married for 13 years, I believe. He says he's taken her crap. And I'm going to go with. Five years, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're closer than 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 the other way. Thirteen. It was their third third anniversary. Um, not even a particularly momentous, you know, occasion really. No. Um, but they had a... this kind of bizarre folk painting uh, commission. So there we go. Um, lovely questions from MK. And finally, this week is uh from Niall Crane. In the first scene, how many times does Bulldog honk his horn when kicking Roz and Frasier out of the studio? This is going to be a gamble. Gut instinct feeling straight away, too. Oh, one out. As Ken Bruce would say, you are one honk out. It's uh, it's three. I was looking for three, Steve. But uh, a valiant effort there. And some fantastic questions as well. Um, yeah, excellent. Always. Um, lovely, lovely stuff. Shall we get into the review? Yeah. Let's animation watch, please, Steve. Tell us what the animation was this week. As I messaged you earlier, it's a lightning bolt and thunderstrike. Yes, Tell listeners why that was slightly ironic today for you. Because when I sent that to you, it was thundering. And I was <laughs> outside my house and I went, what a surprise. Having just written down lightning strike about an hour ago, and then it started to actually thunder outside my house. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't, I haven't heard a good bit of thunder in ages. We need like a big heat wave and then like have massive storms. I remember... It might have been last year or the year before. There was the biggest like storm cell over the back fields over my house after like a, a two week long heat wave. It's the most intense, insane thing I've ever seen. I've got some pictures of it and the lightning in it. We just don't get that kind of weather in the UK, but it was unbelievable. It was so cool. Yeah. Not for long enough. I mean, when I messaged John about it, actually, I sent John exactly the same video I sent you of the hail hitting the truck out the front of the cottage, and and he said like, "Oh, that was over quickly." I said, "No, it's still raining, but." Obviously, when they have a storm, they have a storm. Oh, we have yeah. an outbreak, rainbows back out again. And uh, that was it. I mean, all the geese are outside now, literally loving the rain in my neighbour's front garden. <laughs> so <laughs> We can have like every season in an afternoon, can't we, in the yeah. UK? It's, it's mental. Yeah. Um, we open in KACL, which is always nice. Always like episodes that begin here. And Frasier is inviting goodbyes to the happy chef. We have the, you stirred us with your passion. I think this is just a, a really great vehicle, this joke set for Kelsey's like voice and his like just delivery because yeah. he really gets behind these words. And it's the typical cheesy aspect of what Frasier so I mean, how many puns can he put in there just to really say goodbye to someone? The only thing that's a bit strange is, I'm pretty sure it's been mentioned in a previous episode, that Floyd was the happy chef, not oh, Leo. Oh, I do not remember that. Or is he the greengrocer? Because I'm sure they have a greengrocer at some point. Oh, that's a good one. Mm, and that's that a very good question. Of how many food shows are on KACL? Because you've got Gilchester and Restaurant Beat, you've got The Happy Chef, you've got The Greengrocer. 
I mean, do people literally just listen while they're cooking all day, every day? Or? It doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, you don't need three cooking programs. For, I mean, how long do we reckon the restaurant beat is an hour long? You know, a, To review then, one restaurant, it can't be that long, surely. Yeah, is that all he does? And then and then you've got like, I know, but he's like his talent. He must be on a decent wage, but then he only does these kind of tiny little segments. And then you have the happy chef and then you've got the green grocery. Yeah, I just... There's a lot of a lot of talent being used by KSL. I'm not entirely certain how the finances work out here, but uh no wonder they're over budget and have to fire Bulldog at one point. <laughs> yeah. Um Frasier, it doesn't really want to go to the party for, for Leo. Um that is Leo, that is his name, isn't it? Yeah, it is Leo, yeah. yeah Leo. Um Twist Top Wine, he makes a comment about here, a kind of condescending one. I'm, we have a lot of twist top wine in my house. I can't. Not every bottle I buy is corked. I mean, are you? Is everything you buy corked, Steve? Or yeah, but only because she's an absolute just one a of those. Wine, a wine lover. One of those is the way <laughs> I was going with that. Just one of those. One um, of those. Put it this way: if it was just labelled wine, or we opened a fresh box, she wouldn't be impressed, and it wouldn't be <laughs> from Connecticut either. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> from Connecticut. <laughs> um, Fraser, really afraid of hugging now. Does this scan with you as a plot detail? Because, like, although we have that comment early on about what did Mother say, a handshake is as good as a hug. Other yeah. than these two instances, Frasier is a very affectionate, sentimental person, and I can't recall ever a time seeing him have difficulty hugging someone. This stands out to me. I did think this, but at the same time, he then tries to use it with Nars later on the episode, and obviously the big finale with the foam, he gives to, uh, Nars hugs him. So I don't know if it's just a setup to make those jokes funnier. Yeah. Not yeah. really a callback to, like you say, the handshake's as good as a hug, as Mother used to say. They are a bit like Mother. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're always more her side than Martin's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really sit perfectly well, does it? Fraser a- is reasonably affectionate towards females, obviously. You know, he never has a problem greeting a female in that way. Mm. On several occasions, in fact. But... Yeah, with males, maybe it is different. It's a funny one. It is a funny one. I'd love listeners to know, do you think it makes sense that he's kind of so reticent to hug or, you know, we know how much he wanted Martin to say I love you in Breaking the Ice. A hug isn't isn't a million miles away from that same kind of affection. Um, some kind of classic slut shaming of Ross now, you know, you should outlive styrofoam. Um unbelievable line um, what about in large capitals on my pad as normal because i think that is absolutely hilarious that she just stands there and takes it as well she doesn't she doesn't battle it back she's like yeah probably will <laughs> she always does she always just stands there and take it and sometimes you're like just give him a smack around the chops Roz. come on man he can't keep saying these things um i completely forgot we actually meet leo pascali or whatever he's called in this episode he's actually yeah. there in the corridor I, I completely forgot this um pretty forgettable he's only there for two seconds but yeah i mean it's quite an interesting place i mean in your place of work if someone's leaving where do you hold that leaving dude just in the corridor outside the studio or do normally you in some through? kind of function room <laughs> yeah you know. i mean i don't i'm not sure we'd hold anything in a corridor if someone's leaving at work we generally gather around that person in the main main rooms but it always just seems like when they had the Christmas party and Bonnie Weems is there, where should we have the Christmas pie? I don't know, just outside Studio 3. We'll just have it in the <laughs> corridor. Why would we use the lunchroom? There must be one. There's hundreds of staff constantly in and out of that corridor as soon as there's yeah. a pie. Yeah. So they must have somewhere better than that. Even that space outside Kate Costas's office is better, surely. That is a, that's a perfect spot. And even the recording studio that they record ham radio in would have been like, you know, the Nightmare Inn. That would have been... 
relatively. Well, we, know that, we know that Studio Five from Noel's comment. Studio Five. I mean, Studio Five is a perfectly sizable space. So yeah. I just, I just don't know. Um, coffee count, Steve. Do you know where we are with the coffee count this week? I mean, there's two in this episode. But there is two to- in this episode. Do you want I believe the last one we had was it in Ham Radio. I said one thirty-three. I don't think. Oh, that's good enough for me. There's nothing in Daphne H. Sherry. No. I think. What was the one? What was? What did we do before? Three dates and a breakup. And I don't think there's. A, I don't think they're in Nervosa in that either. I don't think there are. So I am very happy to go for one three five. Um, perfect. Yeah. I mean, this is a statistic that by design has kind of. It will be hard to keep track of, but we're doing. We're doing. You are doing your damn best. Well, can, um, again, I can give you the season total at the end of this season, and we'll, we'll double check it. But I, I reckon it's at one three five at the moment, and there's no mention of what they are. It's that I think the, the uh, well, Chad's on steamer duty, isn't he? Yes, he is, without even looking. Listless, apparently. And um, you can always tell who's steaming that day. <laughs> you can. The, the, the foam is a big giveaway on who's, who's on steamer duty. Um, speaking of the Nervosa scene, obviously Niles and Fraser are talking now. Um, there's this reference to Maris's obesity scare um, when Yoshi torched a hippopotamus topiary that Maris thought was tossing her. Just yeah, she had the, to the, lose her holiday pound, apparently. <laughs> her holiday pound. Just the, the, the sheer kind of linguistic punning that's happening there. Like, to torch the hippopotamus topiary that was taunting her. It's just like, it, it just rolls off the tongue. It's amazing. Um, one of my favourite kind of moments in this episode, I think. And it's always David Hyde Pierce that has those tongue twister lines because he yeah. seems to be the most skilled at delivering them, I think. Definitely, definitely. He's so good. He's so good. Um, the foam is a tad listless as well. Um, can you remember what the foam is in a crane's critique? Just as a quick trivia for you, right at the beginning. This is one of my favourite foam i only remember this because a crane critique is in my top 10 um, is it to do with uh clouds or is that rodney it's no 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 no. it is to do with clouds oh no sorry kind of clouds when they're ground level no you're gonna have to remind me i'm thinking of the wrong one i think it is the foam is a tad dense today and then fraser says like a dreary fog on a scottish moor um, but yes one that i think rodney says in mixed doubles doesn't he and he says something about it um a cumulus cloud reflecting yeah, the still pond that's it <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have listless foam or dense foam oh i think i'd like it dense like that i think i would I want it to leave a little moustache. Um, but then it's perfect. Um, great delivery from from Kelsey now, and he's trying to remind Niles of how he was when he and Maris were together. He's like, "You were miserable." The way he kind of really hits miserable home. Um, I think kind of he he needs this kind of emotional moment from Frazier, doesn't he, to kind of make him realise that it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows. Well, it's kind of. I mean, if we we not touched really upon the the fact that the guy comes in and says. Uh... Niles Crane, sorry, you're being served. I mean, obviously, yeah, goes, sorry, yeah, that was my previous bullet yeah. point. Yeah, cool time, man. <laughs> cool time, man. Uh, so yeah, so he gets served, and then yeah. But obviously, then you see that as you were saying about Fraser and his delivery of his lines, you've then got Niles absolutely falling apart. I can get it back. I can get it back. Let me phone up. Let me co- no, no, no. I'm rested now. It's okay. It's okay. It's <laughs> more and more sort of frantic as Fraser goes. No, you're not going to do this. Just get on with it. And he, yeah. again, he just cuts him down right in the middle of it. Um, you like you say the, the nervosa scene here isn't necessarily dramatic, but it builds a lot, doesn't it? It shows a lot of how Niles is now going to emotionally attach himself to these papers, and obviously how Kelsey can see through Maris's plans, basically. Yeah, yeah. And how he wants to set his brother free, and that KACL scene for even two minutes, maybe not even that long, 
really sets up the rest of this episode of how bad Niles is going to take this divorce settle, uh, divorce paperwork and how well Kelsey is actually going to, as Frasier, try and direct him to the right path again. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this is just a really strong sibling episode because it's it's not sibling rivalry for once. It's actually, you know, the two truly trying to help each other and there's there's the added layer of irony that we'll get to with uh with Hester's diary. Um but yeah, you know, we've talked about a couple of a couple of hits in a row for Fraser doing the right thing, giving the right this advice. This could be number three in the win streak really couldn't it yeah i mean he's very strong end to season four there again he is actually going to help someone doesn't help leo but he does help his brother <laughs> he doesn't help leo but no absolutely um i think his heart is in the right place in this episode um back at 1901 martin uh has the kind of embarrassing re- revelation here that he had to wear his little tartan kind of beret type hat that um scottish people wear um and eddie in his own can, can you remind me why he had to wear this it was knitted by someone or it was i can't remember the lady's name it was knitted by someone and he went to the park and obviously she wasn't there but duke was and two guys from the force hey marty if you get some walk will you knit me something <laughs> <laughs> i love um, that because at first you're like why would they say that with the dog and then daphne's like well at least you don't have to wear the hat she made you and he's like there it is i did make a note of this when Martin walks in and Eddie's wearing the jumper and the hat, hmm. if you look very closely in Martin's left-hand pocket, you'll see the hat is sitting just inside his trouser pocket. Really? And then when she says, well, at least you weren't wearing the hat she made you, he picks up his coat and pulls the hat out of a coat pocket and the hat in his trouser pocket's disappeared. So clearly, at some point, John Mahoney switched. There's two scenes yeah, there. Yeah, that's so um, funny because I did it, notice that he pulls it out of the coat. Yeah, but it's quite clearly in his trouser pocket when he walks in. But then when he picks the coat up, his hand's in his pocket and the, the hat has jumped. So I oh. presume they maybe took a scene first with it in his trouser pocket. And then he went, that's not comfortable. I'll put it in my, in my coat pocket and pick my coat up. It's just, it's obviously filmed twice. Mm, and, uh, I wonder why they made that. Left, yeah, Left the first take in, which is where it's in his trouser pocket. It's, it doesn't look natural in his trouser pocket. You can just see this blue sort of material poking out and you can see the stripes on it so mm. it's a bit of a mishap really on the filming obviously and geeks yeah. like me have spotted it <laughs> i wonder yeah i wonder what the decision was there to kind of change that uh the steam master 2000 is that an iron um or is it something else well it you can live life wrinkle free you can so presi- that's what made me think it's an iron but then it like, can cook chinese vegetables how else does it yeah how else can it work i don't understand and not to bring it up again, but what is with China? What? I, Why do the riots not like China? Why do I, we have to keep talking? No, honestly, there's a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of bad, season bad China jokes full. here. Yeah, it's just absolutely full this season of jokes about China and mm. just little digs and for no reason. But um, yeah, I would imagine it's some kind of iron. However, it's got the attachment. It's a weird shaped thing as well. It's kind of like cuboid. Um, it doesn't look like you would use it like a conventional iron. I just, yeah. It also reminds me, why is it always 2000? Is that because it's like Cam Winston 2000 party of the future? We also have the Windsor Monarch 2000 coming up at one point, which is apparently the, as we're coming up to the Jubilee, the official barbecue for Queen Elizabeth's Jubilee. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, is it because they think it's like it's futuristic in the 90s? It's the millennium, you know? Well, did they also have, is it Dirt Scourge 2000? I think is there is a Dirt Scourge, well? yeah. 
Um, so I guess, spoiler alert to all of Martin's things, that actually they're all model numbered 2000. So that they obviously are the item of the future that 22 years on now, I haven't seen any of these things existing yet. I haven't bought a Windsor Monarch and I haven't bought a Dirt Scourge 2000 either. So No, and I wonder if it would blow up if we hoovered any of the chairs in your house, Steve. Well, uh, no, I've been using a much more abrasive loofah recently. Uh, so <laughs> Excellent. I've been begging you to switch. Um, okay, where am I on my bullet points? Niles arrives now. Um, you can hear the debate happening through the door here, um, though can ne- you can never hear anything in the kitchen, but you can hear what's happening behind the door here. It's amazing. Um, that door looks a lot thicker than the non-existent door in the kitchen. <laughs> it, it does, you know, the, the mind boggles a little bit. Um, and Martin now kind of vaguely threatening to kill Daphne and throw her in the garbage with his allusions to this uh, this crime he knew on the force because she wouldn't stop the, moaning about things. I love that joke when he goes, that's what <laughs> this guy said. She's always nagging me. Take out the trash. Take out the trash. And then he did. And that's where we found her. <laughs> that's where we found her. <laughs> it's so good. So good. Um, and Fraser and Niles now find Hester's diary, of course, which kind of sets a lot of the the, the emotional weight of this episode in motion. Um, we have that Fraser was recoiling from touch. You have these kind of very intimate descriptions of the way they allowed themselves to be dominant and passive, respectively, the way they kind of ate extra food. The setup, of course, we'll get to later because it pays off as being a slight twist. But the way this is done is really smart, I think, because you'd never see this coming. No, I mean, the fact that it says Frasier eats uh, Niles's food and then obviously looking at them size wise, Kelsey's not obese. He's definitely bigger than David Hyde Pierce. Oh, he's a broad man. So instantly you've got the, well, that makes sense as children, doesn't it? Frasier yeah. takes Niles's food. That's why Niles is spindly and Frasier is big. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does make sense. Um, and what's the other one? Niles is Niles is constantly letting women walk all over him, or females walk all over him. And you think again, very clever stuff. Mm. So you know? it just, I think it's, I think it's really well done here. I think really do. Um, I mean, Niles' delivery is fantastic when he reads that kind of bit out about how he's always allowed himself to be dominated by by females. Um, the way he's like April third, or like I can't remember the date, but he reads it out. It's just like the look on his face when Fraser's obviously across the room. And he looks back and he's like, you know, Niles, what is it? Um, I love that. And then he remembers that he has chance to go back to to the Gothic Maris mansion and get the papers back that he sent by messenger um, kind of early that afternoon. And I love the kind of, you're a good brother, and he's like, I'll come with you. Like, I don't yeah. think there's any doubt that he's going to come with him at this point, but Niles is still kind of, you know, thank you. They still need each other, don't they? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's showing a decent bond between the two brothers, which, again, in the past, we've seen the rivalry. And now when it comes to something that is very, very serious, mm-hmm. Fraser is the older brother. And he, like you say, he does the right thing. He's actually trying to help three-game win streak yeah. he's he, he's trying to support his brother the best way he knows how and Absolutely. obviously through divorce so he's got the experience whereas niles hasn't mm, that's a very good point actually because that never comes up does it this episode as far as i'm aware don't does fraser make any kind of reference to his own divorce and how he dealt with it? Of, um because obviously he's divorced from nanny g at this point nanette mm-hmm. guzman he's already divorced her he's uh i believe been engaged and dumped at the altar by Diane. Yeah. So then obviously then he's got this marriage with Lilith that's come to an end. So he has got a fair bit of experience, much he like does. Grandma has himself, really. <laughs> quite a quite a pool of, uh, of experience to draw on there. Um, can you tell us the three conditions that would, that would need to be met to be a Niles-style cat burglar? 
Um, I can't. I this can't. Very, the, I can't tell you the first two, but I must admit, Kelsey's delivery of, of course, a key would help. A key to the door. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other two things are stealth and cunning, which of course every cat burglar pres- presumably possesses. They what they don't possess is the uh, the key to the door, of course. Um, that Niles would want to be a cat burglar as a child doesn't seem like a dream that he'd actually have. I mean, it does anyone actually dream of being a burglar? <laughs> I, I absolutely doesn't. And like, he's such a stickler for rules and things. I can't, I can't imagine what kind of film or comic or TV he'll have seen that will have given him that thought. But weirdly, I've always thought Niles has quite a feline presence in the in the show. The way he is physically, he's very slight and very quick. I think he's got a bit of a feline vibe. And like Charles and I have talked multiple times about if we were going to name a cat after someone from Frasier, Niles would be the name we'd pick. It's interesting you pick that up about David Hyde Pierce because he's actually in... So so he's in the first season of Caroline in the City as Niles Crane. I don't mm. know if you've seen the clip. It's it, him and Daphne. I've, se- I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah, the episode Caroline and the Bad Back, she can't do the cartoon. So two of her friends do the cartoon for her. And it towards the end of the episode... It actually switches to um, 1901, and Daphne brings a paper over to Niles. He looks at this cartoon and laughs. Daphne then looks at the cartoon and laughs, and they both say to each other, "Do you get it?" And they both go, "No." Hmm. <laughs> they actually know why they're laughing. So that's the end of the episode. So they actually appear in the in uh, Caroline in the City as themselves, as the actual characters. In I think it's season two, David Hyde Pierce comes into Caroline in the City as a tax accountant for. Caroline's neighbour Annie, who is a dancer in Cats, consistently through most of Caroline the City, she's a dancer in Cats. Ah. David Hyde Pierce's character as the tax accountant for her is obsessed with cats, and the episode's called Caroline and the Cat Dancer, and he does dance and he sings parts from Cats. It's actually a really hilarious episode of him trying to be this dancer in Cats. No way. I tell you one thing: only David Hyde Pierce probably could have got that part. God, that's such a good little tidbit. And I'm hearing you speak about it anyway, but Caroline in the City sounds like it's right up my alley anyway for its kind of it's, comfort level of... It never really made it big. I mean, it's four seasons. It's a very small run. Leah Thompson from Back to the Future uh, is the main cast member. Eric Lutz, um, who plays, obviously, um, Del Cassidy in Caroline in the City, is in The Matchmaker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lutes from Frasier. So he is a decent cast. He's very, very funny in places. And there's some very good episodes. Um, Dan Butler's in a few episodes as a an art critic and an art dealer, and he's absolutely hilarious. I think it, I think the episode is Caroline and the Art Show or Caroline and the Gay Art Show. And one of her friends pretends to be gay so he can sell his paintings, but if he's not gay, then he wouldn't be allowed to do the art show because it's for gay artists. Oh, it's a bit like Martin. It's all right, I'll gay it up. Goes Mm. in and tries to pretend. And Dan Butler, obviously, I think he'd come out at that point. So it's very poignant that he's a he's the art dealer, Um, but not like Bulldog at all. But he is hilarious. Um, Harriet Sampson Harris, I think, appears in a couple of episodes. Uh, Edward Hibbert, who plays Gil, he's in a couple of episodes. So there's a lot of crossovers. But um, yeah, your comments. Sorry, I've I've gone off on a tangent at Caroline. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, uh, David Hyde Pierce. If you get chance to watch that episode, please do. Please try and find it because it's, no, it's I'm, I'm worth seeing him as a dancer. And I think it's actually his husband who wrote and produced quite a lot of episodes for Caroline and the Sea. 
Oh, really? Brian Hargreaves. Brian Hargroves. That rings a bell. Partner. They weren't married at the time. They were just together at the time. Um, they've been dating since the 80s, I think, and then got married probably late 90s, I think. So, yeah, mm. that that is, as far as I'm aware, the connection to why so much crossover happened. Ah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I really do need to get around to, to watch a bit more of that. I also want to get back on the Just Shoot Me um, hype and finish that. It's a show I love, um, a really great yeah. American sitcom. But... Yeah, I remember watching that a lot. I can't get it. I did, the trouble is getting them on DVD over here is a bit tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I watch it in inverted commas wherever I can find it online. Um, yeah. But it's difficult to even get a good quality you know, stream of that. Um Fraser's cracking joke now about we'll have to wait till Lady Baskerville returns from the spa, um, which I absolutely love. Um, I love Hounds of the Baskervilles, um, just as a complete tangent. Amazing book. Um, I listened to the audiobook of this actually when I used to work in that windowless locked cash office that I've mentioned so many times on the <laughs> podcast before. Um, perfect level of mystery. It's creepy. It's cozy. You, I wouldn't read it now. You want to soak for the autumn, autumn months. Um, but yeah, and like the, the mansion they're at is is pure Baskerville. It's so good. Um, Niles calls the chef cook. It's kind of deeply triggering to me. I know that's a bit of a posh class thing. You know, sometimes they'll just kind of refer to him as cook. But like Niles knows the names of like so many of the other members of staff, like Marta, yeah. Yoshi. I feel like he would just have called the chef by their name you might have said oh you know marie the cook or you know john the cook um or the chef i don't know what i don't know why this choice it's it's almost like they've made cook more of a servant yeah because marta's sort of right hand female she's right like hand head, head of the servants almost head it's, of the house yeah, she's like maris's top assistant isn't she she's she's the mole obviously as we mm. find out later on but um, she's obviously very, very connected to Maris. Yoshi's the gardener, which is weird that they bring him up so often. I don't. I think he might be seen in a lineup at one point, which we're coming up to reasonably soon, aren't we? When Niles eventually leaves the household. Yes. Or have we seen that? I now if we pass that, is that when he moves? It must be when he moves out the first I time. I think it's when he moves out the month. It's not the episode with. Um... Uh, 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 what's it called? An affair to forget. It's not that episode, is it? No. It could be. Listeners, oh, no, will be what the hell am I listening to this for? <laughs> I just <laughs> this episode. I can't. I can't remember what episode that is. Listeners will remind us. But yeah, I have a feeling we've seen that, but it's hard to know what we've seen and what we've recorded because we watch this show all the time outside of the podcast anyway. Yeah. So you know, it's. Uh, I'm it's sure tough to Yoshi, there is a, there's a lineup in that episode. And we I'm definitely sure see him. Yeah, someone has mentioned before. I think it might be Hamish who actually pointed it out and said he thinks that the uh, the young gentleman in that is is uh, supposed to be Yoshi. Yeah, so. I really think we've seen that episode because I can remember that. Um, Niall's now trying to throw the meatballs out with the, the kind of sleeping tablet in. They keep landing in the koi pond. Why he's throwing and not dropping? I just you drop straight, can't you? you can drop straight, can't you? <laughs> I just don't understand why he would why why this just joke is it to get the joke later that the koi are sleeping? Well, that's um, one of the best lines, isn't it? I mean, the dogs are eating one. No, 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 over there, over there, next to the sleeping koi. <laughs> sleeping koi. I mean, do you know how expensive koi fish are? Have you ever looked into this, Steve? Um. I imagine they're as expensive as the meatballs that you're tossing into there with medication in it. They um, are. They're more expensive. The, uh, there's a record. A perfect Kohaku koi. I probably misbutchered the pronunciation there. Sold for one point eight million dollars um, at one point 
they are ex- like the well-bred koi. It's it's a big statement thing. This is why koi ponds are associated in like film and art with with rich. All I can think of is uh, Leo in uh, give him the chair. Talk to Daphne at that point when you just said one point eight million is no can do fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, can do fish and chips. One expensive fish and chips. <laughs> that is one. If you ma- imagine accidentally battering the prize koi and not just a normal piece of card, you really would be in for it then. Um, <laughs> Niles now discovers that the painting with oh my god, she's happy completely painted out, and then Fraser's. Uh, if I were you, I wouldn't look too closely at the face of that skunk in the flower bed. It was just absolutely what I would give to see that skunk with a little like photoshopped Niles' face on it. When I watched this episode, I was like, that is screaming out for a Steve meme. Do you know what? I Even when I watched this, I didn't know you were going to say that, but I really thought about doing this. The only problem is painting out Niles for a tree is easy, but I can't paint Maris in. Because no one knows what she looks like. I can't make that painting happen without yeah. having have to, to just make an image pick of some, some random woman, wouldn't you? And like, I don't know, pretend then, it's Maris. But then trouble ensues straight away when you start trying to actually imagine anybody physically alive that would look yeah. like Maris. And listeners, please do not write in with anything to do with what you think Maris is like as a real person because it never ends well. No, it doesn't. We've had some uh, we have some controversial stuff on FFC, don't we? I mean, weirdly for me, in my head, the closest person she's like is Lilith. Lilith is very diminutive. She's pale. Um, she's cold. Like, Lilith has all of the traits for me that Maris has. Obviously, Maris is superhumanly weird. She does. I mean, I've yeah. I've been told off for saying this in the past, but the oh, what's her name? It's gone out of my head. Uh, in Will and Grace, Ooh, um, I, won't, I won't know. I'm afraid. I've got to look her up quickly because I, Megan I, Mullally I, is in Four for the Seesaw. Oh yeah, Megan Mullally. I like her. So she plays. Hold on a second. Let's find her. She plays Karen Walker, mm-hmm. and Karen, although she's very very. Well, she does work. She works for Grace. Um, but I always think that she would be a good Maris. She's almost like Maris. You never see her husband, so it's the other way around. Um, she's very high class, very, very rich, always in designer clothing, always drinking, always on medication. And to me, Karen Walker is Maris. However, mm. the description doesn't match because Megan Mullally, I'd happily date. Maris, by description, I would happily avoid. <laughs> I would happily hunt down <laughs> so she never hurts anyone again. Um, I, just, I like that character, and I always think she's that kind of high society, do you know what I mean, always whining and dining with people and trying to impress and being there. And I just think, Niles, and, and that's why when you do Four for the Seesaw, I always look at her and think, she's just a really good match for one of the Crane boys, as mm. Aaron, or as in, I think, is it Laura in Four for the Seesaw she plays? Laura? Yeah, Laura and Beth. I think yeah. she might be Beth. Um, but yeah, like, no, I've just looked at Karen Walker. I can see that, like in a high class vibe. Should have been. Um, I mean, Megan Mullally, I think, would have been a brilliant Maris had they have cast her. And like I say, listeners will now write in and go, "Steve, you're completely wrong. What the hell are you on about, man?" Yeah. But to me, like I say, the high class, the way that Megan Mullally can play that, I just think she'd have been a really good Maris had they have had to cast her. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, they didn't. And I'm actually really pleased with that because I actually love the mystery of Maris. And I love Niles' descriptions that I know are literally not humanly possible. Yeah. And that then makes it even more fun of what ridiculous thing can come out of the Crane Boys' mouths next to describe this person. Um, but you are correct. I mean, going back to that, you are correct that Lilith does actually tick the box. 
she really is you know almost <laughs> so white she's almost blue so, uh, <laughs> so it's true it's true um it's just yeah but I, I i know i know where you're coming from with megan mullally but it's it's a funny one and I'm, I'm with you that I, I love the mystery um uh, you know of who maris is that's obviously all part of it uh niles signs the papers now um kind of a, a big moment and they uh they kind of leave the um they leave the mansion is this where they dart out the uh at the front door and they don't want to go out of the back well no that's that's when the dogs are first the dogs are still awake at that point so they go to the back doors to leave and the dogs go nuts the weird thing is when they then try and run to the front door how big is the mansion because the dogs are around the front in two seconds i thought that was before because haven't they just dropped the meatballs down to them that then makes them sleep oh no do they still go out the front door Oh, yeah, they go. They're gonna go out the back when they're asleep. But then yeah. Fraser's like, "Well, you know, well, I'm gonna run like hell out the front door." And he's like, "Hold My up." My comment remains: that house isn't very big. If those dogs can get from the back door to the front door in that time, yeah, it's it's weird. Like the back door and front door are very close together. They obviously um, didn't get through that maze that Yoshi goes into. <laughs> <laughs> so the the ultra quick heating action of the hot and foamy um i'm not going to swear but my bullet point here just says what the f is the hot and foamy for why do you need an appliance to apply shaving foam what's wrong with just buying a one pound can that you uh, that you spray shaving foam because anytime i've used shaving foam that's what i apply i don't understand what the hot and foamy that needs to be plugged in i would presume that rather than putting warm water on your face to open your pores to help cut through hair I would presume the hot and foamy comes out hot. And you <laughs> and reckon foamy. Just... <laughs> and foamy. Um, I guess so. I mean, so yeah. Like instant, instant application. No water needed, maybe. You're just literally putting on hot foam, cutting hair straight back off. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I think maybe I've just been shaving wrong because I don't ever remember putting that much hot water on my face before putting the foam on. I just kind of went for it. But as I say, I've never had to shave that often, so I'm not the best. Sure <laughs> I'm not. Be I'm not best place to ask. Um, back at K. Um, back at KSL at 1901, they decide they want to go to Shay Shay to uh, to celebrate Nas's decision. Um, and they kind of have this kind of nice little back and forth where um, he's like, you know, half the time I couldn't see her when she was standing right in front of me, and they laugh and. You know, it's kind of this nice reconciliation, which quickly turns and Nar starts having a panic attack. It's like, I can't breathe. Um, and is that just because of the, because that's before he learns that they're lab rats in the diary, it's, isn't it? It's another final realization that he's done what he's done. That he's done what he's done. Yeah. Um, not to get too personal on the podcast, but having been through divorce and mm -hmm. at a decent age, I was 24 when I got married. I was 26 when I got divorced. Um, I kind of, that's actually partly where my love for this show came from. I loved it when I was younger, but I got more and more addicted to watching it because it was company. Mm. And through hard times of my own going through a divorce and knowing the hell that it is, because I don't think I know anyone who's been through a very good divorce. It, mm. Even when people say, we'll keep it amicable, we'll be agreeable with this. There's still those little tiny bitchy sneaky comments that you need to get in there and little digs and no, I still want a little bit more than what you're offering. Actually, you know, I think I'm worth that. And no matter how you break up, you're always going to argue over something. Someone wants to keep the cat. Someone wants to keep their favorite socks and you want them or I gave you this at Christmas. I want it back. Um, but going through my own divorce and watching these episodes made more sense. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I felt like I knew what Niles was going through in that panic. 
my mum and dad went through hell with me because I used to phone them at three o'clock in the morning after going out and having a few drinks. Three o'clock in the morning, have I done the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Because it was me who actually served the divorce papers. And I would constantly ring people and go, I don't know if I've made the right decision. And people would say, yeah, of course you have. You, you, you know, you're free of this. You're out of this. You're okay. Everything's mm. fine. But you would still sit there and say, why? Just why? Why am I doing this? What, have I done the right thing? Should I just go back? Is it easier not to go through this? Should I just be Niles? Should I just go and grovel? Should I just, you know, yeah. give up? Or should I actually fight this and get out of this? And it was easier in the end to just listen to people, which is obviously what Fraser tries to get him to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's other listeners out there that have probably been through this. So of course there is. And I'm, in, I'm actually interested, please write in on Reddit, et cetera, to, to have you been through this? Did you side with Niles? Because I really did. I didn't sit under the piano, I must admit. I didn't have a piano. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's an odd thing that, like I say, that this, this sort of era of the show wrapped me up more at that point. I could quite happily watch five or six episodes a day, just get home from mm. work, just put on a disc and just watch it. And like I say, just follow my life with, with what Niles was going through at that time. And like I say, literally <laughs> screaming off the balcony, what does it all mean? mean. You know? And um, yeah. You know, sorry, go off on a personal tangent on that. No, no, I think it's a, a very moving one. I think Niles, the way David Hyde Pierce portrays that, you know, the sort of, am I doing this right? And screaming and, and shouting and shaking. And like you say, a bit of a panic attack. And Fraser mm. saying, look, just listen, it's going to be okay. And it is. I, trust me, from mm. from my experience, he's dead, dead right on how he acts that out. And that moment of have I done this right, that signature means everything because then you suddenly go, this is real now, before it was papers. Now I've yeah. signed it. That's actually happening. No going back, really. No, absolutely. And thank you for, for, for thank you rather for um for sharing that, Steve. I mean, it's, it's I, we've talked about so many times on on in reviews and listener mail ourselves as well about how Frasier has this kind of enormous comforting and healing power. Um, it's like home to so many of us and yeah that's a perfect example like being at a point where the show kept you company maybe a way that just anyone else couldn't do it was like this kind yeah. of it filled this unique space in in your life and i think it, it kind of occupies that space for all of us in, in some ways um it, and then it, when we need it we can call upon it and then when we don't it's just something we passively enjoy but i think it's special in that way yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said to you when we first spoke on the podcast, way back when uh, you interviewed me, I said, you know, I even remember saying this show gives you a hug. It is definitely mm. that warming show. It's not in your face like Friends can be. It's not loud sometimes like Seinfeld can be. And even Will and Grace is very up and down, screamy, shouty, arguing and stuff like that. It's very rare that Frasier really has a proper argument that will actually yeah. tear a scene into pieces. Even then, the way that the studio lighting is for the show, the way that the sound produced, it's it's just got that mellow kind of, it's nothing mm. really, really dramatic, even if they are shouting. It's still got that way of bringing you in and keeping you close to the to the family members you're watching develop, obviously, via the episode. So. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a comfort show, hundred percent. Absolutely, yeah, perfect description. I think, and I think a lot of people listening that will have, have resonated greatly with them. Um, Frasier now kind of reads the diary and realizes that we're talking about lab rats here. Um, you know, uh, Frasier died this evening, um, but I'll take great comfort in the fact that I'm soon to give birth to my first child. Um, 
<laughs> Nars is freak out here. He's like, my reasoning's based on my mother's obsession with vomit. <laughs> just like throws the tar on the floor. We're and named just, after lab rats. Named after lab rats. Like, it's just, it's phenomenal. Like you forget this. Like I forget after this episode's aired and then we, we move on next week. They are literally named after two rats. And it's just like a perfect, perfect gag. It makes me wonder why Hester wrote lab rats in her own diary, in her own journal. Because I thought, yeah. rat. she doesn't need to write lab rat. She's working in a laboratory. She knows she's in there. Do you know what I mean? She, yeah, it's, remember. A <laughs> it's a weird one. Um, may, yeah, I don't know. Is it like scientific procedure to keep all those details in place? Or is it Or is it just a nice handy bit of plot exposition or, you know, it's make it funnier? Surely um, she'd call them exhibit one and exhibit three. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. A scientist. Would she really call them Fraser and Niles, but then call them lab rats in the next sentence? It's odd that she names them because that's that's very unscientific because that's forming an attachment to something yeah. that is entirely perfunctory for you. But um, it's still, a, it's, yeah, it's a funny little gag all the same. Niles rushes now, of course, into the powder room for the kind of great, great climax of this episode. Um, Fraser's at the door, you know, Niles, keep breathing. And so he's like, Niles. No, it's like that's such a classic Kelsey, the kind of one-two punch of like shout, shout even more dramatically. Um, <laughs> and then the as we well as the, the, the real slap, yeah. yeah and then, the explosion. Bang. Tell us, tell us about this scene, Steve, because you sent me something fantastic earlier. Well, I sent you that video because it's the outtakes, and I think you can find it on uh, YouTube, and it's only about a minute and a half. And obviously, as you saw. Uh, Kelsey begins to break as soon as David walks out of there. Um, I've actually done a lot of digging around, and the hot and foamy uh, scene actually took 17 takes. Jesus Christ. Niles, the, David Hope Pierce has been so annoyed. <laughs> because the cast kept laughing at David when he came out. Every single time he came out with that foam on, the cast tried to deliver their lines. And obviously when he comes out and they say, Niles, are you okay? And he goes, I'm just a little hot and, and foamy. foamy. If you look, Daphne's already starting to laugh. Jane leaves is breaking. Martin looks like he's laughing when he says that, yeah. shaking. And obviously they can't deliver their lines. Jane tries to say he was a detective, you know, and Martin just just bursts out laughing. And I think you, did you see right at the end of that, you then it turns back to Kelsey and Kelsey's doing a little dance trying to, <laughs> trying to keep the sort of momentum going. And you can actually hear the directors in the background going, keep rolling, keep rolling, because they know they're going to have to go and do it again. Let's just try and get through the lines. The audience laugh in that is humongous for the length of that. And I think that didn't really help the actors because they're laughing so much. Jane and John, yeah. they know they've got to deliver that line, but they've got to wait for the crowd to calm down. But they can't. So therefore, mm. it goes wrong again. Um, with more delving and diving around on the internet, etc., I found out that just where the coat rack is in 1901, mm. so up the steps towards the back and turn left at the Eames, where that coat rack is, there is apparently a gap that we can't see that leads down behind the fireplace and into the back of the powder room, and it was built for this scene. So when David Hyde Pierce goes in, the audience cannot see what's going to happen. They've got about 20 seconds to get a couple of guys in there to foam him up so they can get that explosion to happen and he can walk back out again. I mean, that's a very short scene of him actually going into the powder room. Mm. So Kelsey's banging and, and shouting, and Niles, Niles, is only covering up the fact that two guys went in with a big foam powder gun. 
sprayed the inside of the powder room, covered David Hyde Pierce, and got the hell back out of there, hiding behind the fireplace, I presume. God, so then that's David cool. Hyde Pierce can walk out. And if you look, there like is, that. I mean, in that outtake compared to the uh, actual show, you can see there's like a cross of foam across the door. Mm. However, David's wearing a slightly different amount of foam because obviously overtakes, they kept applying more and more and more. 17 wow. times must have been hideous. Honestly, just I can't even imagine what it must have been like. But I love that. That's a perfect kind of factoid for me, that little alleyway behind the fireplace and... Just be yeah, so I mean, to have a walk around that set and, and mooch around. Yeah, I, I don't know how they must have. I mean, they must have literally moved enough space because obviously they they go up to Martin's bedroom behind there, don't they? But mm. we never actually see how they get round to that. So I presume behind that set isn't much anything. Yeah. So they must have just snuck behind the fireplace to get in. But that's not a huge amount of space to get down. And um, obviously, yeah, keep applying that foam to David Hyde Pierce as many times as possible because they didn't want to clean that off him. They had to get those takes done with the cast reading those lines because then he hugs Kelsey afterwards, doesn't he? Mm. And that's only done in a couple of takes. And once Kelsey's dirty as well, they can't clean them all up, do hair, makeup and everything else again. So, yeah, that's going to have been a long, tiresome scene for David Hyde Pierce. I can well imagine. And yeah, you allude to the way this ends. Maris phones him. It was all a bluff. She wants to reconcile and he rushes over and hugs Frasier, the the kind of the proverbial Chekhov's hug that we've had alluded to throughout this episode because of the very beginning. Um, and yeah. that open splat as well, isn't it? The way you sort of just hug Frasier and you just see that foam go poof. Yeah, right like a little bit of displacement as it pops around him. Um, it's just phenomenal. Um, is this... Sorry, what did, you... what did you say? Sorry, it's Dave. I was going to say, sorry, uh, he, uh, the way he gets the phone out of that pocket, just literally peels open the lapel of his jacket, pierces two little fingers inside and pulls out and goes, yes. Yes, <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, is this episode in your top ten, Steve? Badly, it's not. Um, no. But I must admit, when I saw that this was the next episode after which, when you said last week, and the next one's going to be I being served, I looked at it and went, wow, this is a great episode. I'm really, yeah. I've been excited about this all day, thinking there is so much good stuff, which we have obviously now covered. So much great stuff to do. And do you know what? I mean, I even looked up the director, just as a random thing before I ask you, the, the director's Gordon Hunt. Never heard of him. The, the no, writer no, is no. William someone. Never heard of him. What an outstanding episode. I'm sure they're both famous in their own right throughout sitcoms. But it's not a it's not the normal suspects that you'd expect to have written a, an episode of this this quality, if I'm honest. Mm. No, absolutely. Um two p- potential debutantes for Frasier, but we don't I don't know that. Um back, but, but um, it's uh well, yeah, one hell of an F, but it's not in my top ten either. But uh it was great fun. Um I do really like this one. Who have you gone for actor pick? It's got to be David Hyde Pierce for me. You've gone for DHP. I think the way he gets frantic, the emotion he shows, sort of, he's almost bipolar in this episode, isn't he? He's either absolutely frantic, miserable, or he's really overly happy. Do you know what I mean? He, he just mm. goes up and down, and he's, he's up and down like, you know, no one's business throughout the whole episode. And then obviously, the, the hot and foamy is a, it's as much of a show stealer as Three Valentines, isn't it? The opening with oh, the fire and the, and the spraying of the foam. Again, David Hyde Pierce's physical comedy comes into it. If this was the other way around and it was Kelsey doing it, there's no way Kelsey could deliver that hot and foamy line with any seriousness. No. Or any way of delivering that the same as, as David Hyde Pierce could. So, yeah, David all the way for me. 
for all the reasons you've just described, Steve, I've also gone for uh, for David Hope Pierce here. Um, just yeah, fantastic. That feline brilliance and kind of quick wittedness kind of comes comes to the fore um, in this episode. So yeah. David Hyde Pierce all the way for me. Um, Kenley Burling, our man on the ground, does he own a heart and foamer? To the best um, of your knowledge, have you visited his powder room? He doesn't have one, but he does have a Steam Master 2000 because he really likes Chinese vegetables. He does. He, do, he he lives life with wrinkles, but he just has a massive craving for Chinese vegetables, is what I've heard. I've heard he's wrinkle-free. He's got a very good skincare regime, as we found out in Liar Liar. Uh, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, all that remains, before we go to listen to Mal this week, Steve, is to play a quick game of Whose Crane Is It Anyway? Um, so, for your Whose Crane Is It Anyway this week, Steve, is potentially an easy one. Can't say for certain. Who says your fair share Martin says, make sure you get your fair share. And he says, he says something about, by the looks of it, I'm wearing my fair share at the moment, doesn't he? Or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so technically, yeah, your fair share is Martin, but fair, as you, as he said, I I forget that Niall says it literally the line after that. But yeah, it's about make sure you get a good divorce lawyer. Um, But yeah, well played. Um, Shall we we jump over to listener mail? Let's whisk ourselves over to Listener Mail, yeah. Let's see if they're stirring us up this week. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, Listener Mail this week. Lovely to hear from so many of you as always. Opening with one of our quiz masters this week, Mr. Hamish. Hi, lads. Just a quick one this week. As busy, busy life at the moment. Just on the Spotify thing, I have no issues getting all of the episodes online. I listen to many podcasts and have had and had and some have over 250 episodes rather and growing so it's definitely no limit i don't think yeah just to say i've cleared this issue up um and you will be able to get all of the episodes on your usual outlets now um it was just a weird thing that was limiting us to 100 on podbeam and i fixed that um hamish goes on bit of an interesting fact about lakari the waitress she features in 11 episodes there we go in the first six seasons and fan favorite gil chesterton only features in 12 this astounded me when i read this as for me it feels like edward hibbert is in it a lot more than that completely agree i think gill is an amazing presence for someone who's in 12 episodes of what 260 yeah insane yeah 12 episodes absolutely insane um yeah thank you hamish uh, next up, we have KM Saxon. Listened last night. Thanks for another great episode. A few comments on your conversation. One, Roz does say that she runs an eight-minute mile. Yeah, that was mm. what we dumped on. So she's actually uh, in pretty pinnacle. rapid yeah, fitness. I've always had issues with this statement. That is really fast. Not that Roz wouldn't be able to do it, but even a nine-minute mile would be more realistic. Although casual runners are more than 10 to 11 minutes. Like you had said... I also agree that the sweatshirt she is wearing is unrealistic, especially if she is an elite runner that runs an eight-minute mile. Even if yeah. it's not hot, it's certainly not freezing, so a sweatshirt would not be appropriate. Amen. Two, the gentleman trying on the shoes is Matthew Pym. So you were right. So that means KACL 780 is wrong, because I think we said opinion or opin- opinion, didn't we? We have said on multiple occasions there are quite a few mis- yeah. mistranscribed things on KACL. So yeah, maybe it was Matthew Pym, apparently. Well, they go on to say, I rewatched that part of the episode with captions on, which we did suggest that might need to be done. You were right, Will, so well done. Oh, you yeah. still get your point in Trivia Corner for That's that. That's very rare. It's not norm- I'm normally wrong. I'm normally misquoting. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Three, the joke about Fraser getting a callback from Norman, him bragging about his three dates. Is that right before you f the phone rings? Fraser tells Roz that she is a successful producer and asks if she really cares so much more about the people in her past think of her. Then Norm calls, demonstrating that Fraser is doing the same thing as he accusing Roz of doing. That, he cares that more is a great gag, yeah. Did yeah. not realise that that's what he was doing. Um, explains a lot. Thank you, KM Saxon. Um, Mischief Knight puts, no smirks here, just a profound sense of duty to the podcast and my trivia craft. Trivia and fun bits for Are You Being Served? I believe the first and only appearance of the Happy Chef, where we finally learn his name, of course. Another discrepancy in the ability for Fraser's apartment door to dampen conversations. Sometimes it absorbs sound like a recording studio, and sometimes it's as thin as paper. It will take until season six, episode twenty, Doctor Nora, for Niles to once ago feel comfortable. For once again, sorry, to feel comfortable to try and grow a mustache, even though it's only in research and development. Excellent. I was trying to remember what the episode was, and like clockwork, there's MK of the answer. Frasier doesn't seem to mind hugs when Dr. Honey Snow wants to hand them out. No fear here, indeed. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. No fear here. Um, well, I hope you like saccharin. <laughs> honest, honestly. So, yes, thank you, MK. When the meatball splashes into the koi pond, it looks like someone dropped a bowling ball. But when we see the dogs eat the meatballs, they're the size of a golf ball. Cheers, Link. We learn in this episode the level of Hester's emotional investment in her lab rat. In the episode of Cheers, Rat Girl, we see that Lilith is so distraught over the death of her favourite lab rat, Whitey, that she carries his dead body in a round in her purse. Mama Mia, says Cora. And finally, <laughs> question for our esteemed hosts. For the first time watching this episode, I remembered all the way through the minor plot point of Frasier and his opinion of Hooks. Do you think the immense hilarity around the freshly foamed Niles hugging Frasier completely upstages the fact that it's a double joke to call back to the aversion to hugging? I absolutely agree to the point where I feel like the aversion is completely contrived yeah. just to have him hug him. Yeah, um, just that slap of foam. That goes. joke's funny if nothing has been said in this episode about Frasier not liking hugs. Yeah. Like that, it that that doesn't even need to be there for this joke to land. It's why it's so strange to me. Once again, it's like the opening though is is almost kind of just to bring Roz and Bulldog in because they're not in the rest of the episode. They're actually irrelevant in the rest of the episode because it's about Niles' divorce. Mm. We're actually only using KACL to bring those two into the episode. Yeah, yeah. Without without that, Roz and Bulldog have nothing to do. Really, Same. really odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just using the scene, isn't it? Using yeah. that. Scene bit more well we've got kacl built we might as well swing over there and just use it for a bit <laughs> get dan butler in get perry in and uh off we go they can we've have got, some laughs. we've got the set and why not um but yeah some excellent observations as always there by mk next up we have wendell fong which i have to comment finally there is a wendell fong here finally <laughs> <laughs> it's been missing for ages but finally we have one <laughs> uh greetings will key and sometimes also steve thank you mm. Thank you for another great episode. As much as Key has missed, and I'm sure the rest of your listeners, I really appreciate Steve stepping in to ensure we still get our regular dose of Fraser-based goodness. As a person of Chinese heritage, specifically British-born Chinese, I can offer some insight into chopstick use. Indeed, picking up your bowl and using your chopsticks to shovel the food into your mouth is... De, de rigueur? Yeah, I, I never de, de rigueur. I, it just means like you know the the done thing, but I never know ah. how to pronounce that in French. Well, you're the doctor, doc. So I for the Chinese, know. 
<laughs> at least in my experience. However, I also lived in South Korea for a number of years, during which time I saw far less shoveling with bowls tending to stay on the table for the majority of the time. So use does vary between cultures, it seems. The chopsticks themselves also vary, with Korean chopsticks being flat and made of metal, compared with the rounded wooden sticks to which I am most accustomed. Mm. Going back to ham radio and questionable Chinese accents, I personally don't take offence since it is immediately called out as problematic. Of course, I don't presume to speak for everyone and can see that it's a fine line to tread. With regard to an eight-minute mile, this was something I was able to do at 10 years ago without being anything like an elite athlete, so I can believe Roz could manage it if she were a regular runner. The less said about how long it takes me to run a mile now, the better. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I've waffled on enough. Quick note for are you being served. Somehow, Niles can hear, not, uh, can hear everyone not talking about his separation through the door of 1901, but no one can ever hear conversations that take place in the kitchen. How right you are. <laughs> it's like one mind, these listeners. I love it. We're all so tuned in to the little particulars of Frasier. Um, Supermodel Zoologist says, Hi, Will and Key and Steve. Thanks for another great episode. When I heard you discuss the Brecht play, the Caucasian chalk circle, my first thought was that Brecht must have been inspired by the biblical story in which King Solomon does something almost identical, although he threatens to chop the baby in half with a sword rather than yanking it apart. I was curious, looked it up, and found that Brecht was actually inspired by a completely separate story from a 14th century Chinese play, at least according to Wikipedia. I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that two different cultures independently came up with stories about resolving child custody cases by threatening to kill the baby. As for non-Brecht things, I liked your point that this is the uh, point. This is the one time that a a party goes well, and b Fraser's advice actually helps. Add to this two classic Fraser dating disasters, and it's a fun pair of episodes I always enjoy revisiting, even if it's not top ten best supermodel zoologist. Completely agree. And the more I've thought about three dates and a breakup since we've since we left it behind, it is definitely top ten material for for some people, and like mm. I think it's a real great great place to start for Frage. definitely definitely a good double episode as well i mean i know i sort of slated it a bit for being too long and some some parts not being needed again going back to the ros and bulldog do we need them in certain episodes would they, mm. did they add anything to this one did the thing about leo really add anything to this one not really i mean it was a fun opening scene but Maybe it's, is, is it filler? Are they putting it in to make the episode the 22 minutes required? You know, it's not like ham radio. We're not cutting it down by nine minutes every so often because there's not enough in it. Hmm. Um, you know, I know they've only got a certain amount of time to fill, 22 minutes, 24 minutes per episode. And I just think these Bulldog and Rods for the last two episodes have been a really strange, really strange them. part of the storyline. Yeah, it's like yeah. they're not giving them enough. And yet... Later on, we see a lot more Roz. Obviously, Bulldog fades fades out of this sort of shortly in in season five. He becomes a little less regular, doesn't he? I believe so. Mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's a weird one. They did they are wasted a little bit in the last few episodes. Um, but thank you everyone who has written in this week for listener mail. Um, lovely to hear from you as always. Next week we will be back with Ask Me No Questions, um, which I think has that amazing uh, kind of montage of Frasier out in the streets with the kind of jazz music, the fog, he's in his own yeah. coat, very noir-esque. Um, big fan of that. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I've been Will. I'll be fricasseeing you. <laughs> And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 
Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 